Clawcast number 99, Die Human. The greatest tyrannies are always perpetrated in the name of the noblest causes, Thomas Paine. A lie doesn't become truth, wrong doesn't become right, and evil doesn't become good just because it's accepted by a majority. Booker T. Washington. Flawedcast. Get in the arena. All right, hey everybody, welcome back to another fun-filled, educational, triggering episode of Flawcast. Riding shotgun, we got the man, not a myth, because he is in person, the legend, Mr. Carl Tuckerson. It's good to be here at the World Headquarters again, and I have to make you aware, I've been saving this with... Um, You're not doing a Santee, are you? No. <laughs> I knew you were going to think that, so that's why I wanted to do this. So it's like, I, I have a big announcement, Bill. Oh my goodness. Which is, this is true, this is a big announcement, but I just wanted to make you aware because I am your sidekick. Gonna have, we're going to up the perfection of this podcast today because I'll tell you why. But you need to be made aware. Yes, please do. <laughs> I have entered today, this morning, already into an end time enlightenment of scripture. Ooh. This is like a new thing for me, something that I, I really enjoyed. And that's why I was a little late today to the um, to the pre-show contact of this podcast. I know that the production manager gave me the evil eye when I walked in today and started. <laughs> I heard him whisper to you, I think Carl's become a prima donna. Shandy, Shandy is like, what's this guy? Know, what is he doing? What is that grin? He been here five minutes ago. Yeah, I just he, saw you're making a caca. That's all. N- no, actually, that was yesterday. <laughs> I'm going to hold that for tomorrow. But uh, no, I'm not. I'm not a prima donna, and the grin that I had wasn't me proving that time means nothing to me, and I can come whenever I want to the headquarters, but I've entered into this end-time enlightenment. So Mm. you and the listeners and myself... Get ready. But that's my big announcement. All right. Well, thank you for the the heads up, the warning. But um, And make sure you subscribe and share. We need people to share. Like you said, if you're retweeting, we thank you. We're everywhere you can listen to podcasts. Flawedcast, Flawedcast CLE, Apple, Google, Spotify, Breaker. We're on Rumble as of right now. We're on YouTube, Flawed Inc. You can email us at flawedinccle at gmail.com. We're everywhere the Project Mockingbird social media is. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're on Parlor, Gab, MeWe, Flawed Inc. Get my book, Smith's Heart of Man Repeat. Hair manual as Christmas draws near, you don't know what to get. Please, I'm asking you to consider my book. I know Carl's read it and I think he tolerated it. I endorsed um, it. Yes, he's endorsed it several times. So, and I'm not doing this to make money. I'm not doing this to build a name. I really believe what's in it God had given me and I just really want to share. So, uh, you can find it on Amazon. Link will be below. But if you want a personalized copy, hit us up. But with that being said, we will do our customary pledge o allegiance. So, if you take your right hand, place it over your left heart, and repeat after us. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. This is going to be a deep dive episode. So this kind of came out of just spending time with God and something that I've been wanting to discuss for a while, but I felt like now was the time to bring it out and bring it to light. And everything that we've been focusing on, everything God's given us right now has been a forewarning. I don't believe it's to be foreboding. I don't believe, you know, we're not trying to hustle any kind of fear porn or any of this stuff. We're trying to get people ready and prepared.
prepared for the return of Christ, the revealing of the man of lawlessness. And we're going to talk a little bit about that again. But where we're at right now is we're being siphoned into this time. And even though the scriptures say in many different places that we're not going to know the time or the hour upon Christ's return, there are things that he has told us that the eschatological books, which all that simply means is a study of end times, books like obviously Revelation, Daniel, Ezekiel, you know, Paul talks very heavily about these things in Second Thessalonians and in other places throughout his epistles. And then, you know, Christ in Matthew 24 himself describes these things. And we're going to get into a little bit of what he said here in a moment, but we're going to talk about Noah. And more succinctly, we're going to talk about the days that Noah lived in. I'm going to share this with you. This is uh, Matthew 24, verses 37 to 39. This is from the Amplified. For the coming of the Son of Man, the Messiah, will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, there were eating and drinking, marrying and living and giving in marriage until the very day entered the ark. And they did not know or understand until the flood came and swept them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be unexpected judgment. This is going to be a deep dive. So just if you can be patient with us, we need to kind of lay a foundation then we're going to come back over it. So the important thing to take away from here is in 37 where he says, for the coming of the Son of Man, the Messiah. So he's talking about himself when he comes back, when Christ comes back. It says it will be just like the days of Noah. Okay. So what do we know about Noah that we can ascertain from a couple different places in scripture? Obviously we can learn in Genesis 6, 7, and 8 about Noah's life, but this is what it says in 2 Peter, this is chapter 2, verse 5. This is from the Amplified. It says, If he did not spare the ancient world, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness. So let me read this in the message, because I like the way this says it a little differently. God did not let the rebel angels off the hook, but jailed them in hell till judgment day. Neither did he let the ancient ungodly world off. He wiped it out with a flood, rescuing only eight people. Noah, the sole voice of righteousness. I wanted to comment on the part that said that the unrighteous people didn't know until the time of the flood, meaning the moment that it started to rain and the waters <laughs> showed up. You had just read that Noah was a man of righteousness. Other scriptures say he was a preacher of righteousness. So I wanted to comment on that fact that says they didn't know until the time of the flood. The people that were his audience that were watching him build an ark, that were laughing at him built an ark, that were mocking him built an ark. Those are the people that didn't know. It wasn't that they didn't know because they didn't hear the message being preached. Noah would hit a nail and drive it into the wood and he would be made fun of and he would put another piece of wood together. Then he would get a shank. Then he would do some cutting and they would laugh at him. And what Noah was doing in between the blows from the hammer to the nail was he was preaching righteousness. He wasn't just an ark builder. He was a preacher of righteousness. The knowing part of them wasn't that they didn't understand. The knowing part of them was they didn't believe. There's a big difference between not having the knowledge of and not believing what you're told, right? They heard the message. They heard the preaching of Noah, the righteous man. They knew from an intellectual knowledge part of what Noah was saying, but instead they 
laughed. And the laughing stopped when the rain fell and the doors of the ark closed. And all of a sudden, when it comments at that point, when it says they didn't know until the flood, that word literally means they didn't believe until the flood. The revelation of what was in their mind was confirmed with what their eyes saw and all of a sudden at the moment that they watched the water begin to swallow up their neighbor on the right and their neighbor on the left and right before they knew that they were getting ready to be gobbled up with water all of a sudden that's when they believed. But it was too late. The door was closed. The opportunity was gone. They had over 120 years. Yeah, like 150 years of building. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And they didn't want to believe even though they were being made aware. We're going to get more into this, but is there or is there not a modern-day parallel that we're going to be drawing? Yes, and that was part of my enlightenment that I call the end-time enlightenment, and I'm very excited to get there, but I'm going to save it. Good, because we got to keep them dangling. Yeah, let's dangle them. All right, so I'm going to ask Carl to read this next portion of Scripture. It's Genesis 6. Uh, We're going to read verses 1 to 8. This is the beginning of the context for what we're talking about. Carl, go ahead. Rip it and rip it. Okay, now it came to pass. When men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days, and also afterwards, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both men and beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. All right, there's a very easy trap you can get in if you just read that as it is. On the onset, takeaway from that is people suck and they were doing a lot of really bad things. And God was like, what did I even do? (laughs) But what we need to take note of is this. When you read the gospel, especially in Matthew 24, when Jesus points something out, it isn't because he just like to talk to talk. It was because there is something significant that we need to draw from that. There's something significant that we need to be aware of and that we need to apply and understand. So as we went back to Matthew 24, verse 37, and Jesus himself says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the returning of the Son of Man. Now, it had to be pretty bad for him to say like, wow, I regret making people. That's what I was thinking. The thing we need to look at, what I want to bring our attention to here, simply this. I'm going to read verse 2, that the Son of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and desirable, and they took them for wives for themselves, whomever they chose and desired. All right, so that's one of those things that you can just gloss over. Let's pay attention to what it says there. It says the daughters of men and the sons of God. Now, it's important to take note that where it says sons of God there, that G is capital. When you read the scriptures and you see that there's a reference for the Almighty, it's always a capital G. And when 
whenever they mention other gods, it's a lowercase g, which is simply, that is an acknowledgement of the true one. That is a noun, not just a adjective. What I have here is a deep study, and my research found in verse 6, it says that the sons of God, this phrase has been interpreted as a reference to royalty or rulers possessed by fallen angels. This is an entity outside of mankind. I always think of when I read this, the Chronicles of Narnia, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. When Mr. and Mrs. Beaver first found the kids, he's like, oh, here's a daughter of Eve and a son of Adam. There's a reference there that shows her heritage to the Almighty. But what we see here is a clear distinction. Daughters of men and then sons of God. We are talking about entities that aren't of this world. Before you tune out, go with us on this. We do have things we're going to get into, and we have some explanations. Once again, Christ said, as it was in the days of Noah, so will be the return of the Son of Man. And I believe there's a nugget here that we're going to try to shell out and maybe just pose a question to you, the listener. One of the things that we've been dwelling on and, and trying to expose is that Satan in and of himself is not a creator. He's just a manipulator, and he just steals. He just imitates. He's an imitator. He isn't a creator. However, God himself has given us as his created beings the ability to create. We can create life. We can create art. We can create whatever. That's something that the devil can never partake of. It's not in his nature. He does not have that ability. And that is one of the reasons I believe he just loathes mankind. Not only that, but the redemptive part through Christ's sacrifice. But back all those millennium ago, they didn't have the scientific knowledge and capability that we do now. What they are talking about is in that time frame, a genetic manipulation of what God created, and it was altered into this chimera, if you will, this other thing, and in the Amplified Bible here, refers to them as the Nephilim. Yes. I know you have some more research on that you can share. So, I did some study into the sons of God, and what I found was that a third of all angels estimate have fallen, have been under a curse that God put them under when he kicked them out of heaven and their day of judgment to burn in hell is not far off but until then it appears as though there were certain call them curses call them punishments call that limitation that they have to operate under and one of those on different sources appears to be taking on certain aspects of humanity to exist with them on earth So this sons of God that you're talking about, Bill, that they married daughters of men, human women, and were somehow able to produce life. Now, I don't know how that operates. I don't comprehend that. I don't understand that. But God never required me to. So I'm okay with that, right? You're okay with that. Well, once again, deep dive, folks. I have known multiple people who have claimed to have sexual intercourse and sexual experiences with demonic entities. I would interject you momentarily and tell you you might want to find a new group of people to hang out with (laughs) if if that is your core group because, hold on, I do not doubt you. I know you're you you're telling the truth here. This is not just hyperbole. No, no. But no. I'm gonna just say, if you're out there listening to this podcast, this is not just a bit of entertainment. No. If those are your source of friends, run, leave, and get the heck out of the room. Well, these people that I'm referring to, you know, I knew them a little more than casually, but one of them was very much into tarot cards, reading her fortune, all that kind of stuff. One of the other gentlemen was very much into a state of 
sadomasochism. He would cut himself, like dark magic type things. There were doors that they allowed opened in their life that gave the evil, if you will, rights to do this. And then there was a desire on their part because they were, you know, manipulated. And so trust me, but what you're saying, Carl, is absolutely true. Yes. So here's what I saw happening. When the sons of God, angelic falling beings, were somehow able to produce with the daughters of men, there was a genetic DNA chromosomed altered being that was created, literally, which I view at that time with that was happening in the days of Noah, evil and all that was the altering of humanity. Why? Because Satan didn't create humanity. So if he didn't have the capability to create humanity and he didn't create the angelic beings also, so he had to take a fallen angel that he didn't create, a beautiful woman that he didn't create, and had to get involved genetically according to scriptures to produce these offsprings known as the Neaphilim or the Nephilims or however you want to produce it. Now, that lineage literally produced the giants that went to war, Goliath being one of them. The reality is life was altered through this act that was taking place. There are legitimate artifacts where archaeologists the, have discovered bones. Yeah, the projections, I think they've actually found, believe it or not, a skull. I don't know if they've put a skeleton completely together to back, but they've done estimates between 9 and 11 feet tall is the offspring. And you know, scripture describes them. Scripture gives accounts of them referring to them as the Nephilims. And Well, and even when Joshua and Caleb went to spy out Canaan, they said the land was filled with giants. Yeah, actually, even Joshua and Caleb confirmed the report that they gave was that the land is inhabited by the giants and and we are as grasshoppers in comparison to them. So they're literally describing the offsprings, the genetically altered with DNA, altered humanity offspring that have been born from the sons of God entering into daughters, into humanity. All right. So I think we laid not a conclusive foundation, but I think we at least have given people something to think about that Christ gave us a warning, a yet another indicator that when his return is drawing close, we will see the return of how vile it was in the days of Noah, but also I believe he's telling us if you're going to study, if you're going to take a look at this genetic modification, and this might have been a rather crude, if you will, method of it. However, it's still genetic modification that we have seen just in the few scriptures that we've put out there to you for thousands of years. Because Satan did not have the ability to create and never has and never will. He literally had to manipulate what was available to him because he could not grab dust, put it together, and breathe into it and create life. That is reserved for God Almighty. And so he will use the resources available to him to manipulate and will then do what? He will present it as his creation. I just wanted to bring out that that's where technology was limited for him at that time. He had to use what he had because he could not create another way to alter, to change, to taint, to pollute, to dilute, and then try and destroy the children of God. So he used what he had. Now, let's move ahead now. Yes. Where are we now? Like, what tools does he have now? What ability is there for him to manipulate now? So we're bringing us to the present time. Yes. So I'm 
I'm going to just read a couple articles here, and we're going to try to get into some science. Now, this first article, Senate kills GOP legislation to prohibit certain human-animal chimera. This is an article written by Andrew Solander, and this is from Forbes magazine. Have you heard of this publication before? I have. They've featured me a few times. I'm sure they have. All right. The U.S. Senate on Thursday voted along party lines to kill a Republican amendment to a technological development bill aimed at banning experiments to create certain types of animal-human chimeras, which scientists use to further medical research over ethical concerns. The amendment opposed by Senator Mike Brom, a Republican from Indiana, failed with 48 Republicans voting for it, 49 Democrats voting against it. The amendment defines human-animal chimera as various combinations of human and non-human DNA, such as a human embryo, into which non-human cells have been introduced, making the species of the embryo uncertain. Another definition is non-human life form. That is engineered to exhibit human facial features or other bodily morphologies to resemble human features. The amendment would have imposed either 10-year imprisonment or a fine for at least a million dollars or both for even attempting to create human-animal chimera. Um, Let me give you a little bit of background real quick. It says, scientists have spent decades creating chimera to improve the testing of drugs and boost organ transplant research, but even with the scientific community, debates have raged about the relative humanity of chimeras and whether they are ethical. There is a way to genetically engineer both the embryo and the stem cells so that the stem cells will only make a particular organ, bioethist Inso Hain told NPR. Nobody wants a chimeric embryo to grow into part human, part animal thing that has human cells from head to toe mixed in. So you got two mainstream sources here. You got Forbes and you got NPR reporting that the Democratic Party, and this is a nonpartisan thing for me, evil is evil, good's good, right? Mm -hmm. The Democrats have allowed the continuation of this without penalty. Now, let me share with you the definition of the word chimera. This is from Merriam-Webster's dictionary. It says, one, a mythological fire-breathing monster commonly represented with a lion's head, a goat's body, and a serpent's tail. Two, any similarly grotesque monster having disparate parts, especially as depicted in decorative art, a horrible or unreal creature of the imagination, a vain or idle fancy. And last one, genetics, a organism composed of two or more genetically distinct tissues as an organism that is partly male and partly female, or an artificially produced individual having tissues of several species. Now, as we see, the definition of a chimera is twofold, but the primary definition is it's a monster composed of different parts. And it's interesting that this is what's chosen in the biological or technological scientific realms when they're talking about human animal concoctions or cocktails or whatever. You know what else is interesting is that being as how they say the reason that they're doing this is for human experiment in organ transplants. Why would you not just use a cadaver? Why would you not just use the humanity that believes in science and donates their body for you to do scientific experiments, to try certain things, to do certain testing, to experiment 
experiment on human life. Why are you going to lie to me? See, I take that personally. I've just been insulted with my intelligence, right? right. That's how I take it. So you're going to tell me that you are manipulating the DNA, the genetic makeup, the chromosomes within a human body, human life that God created, and the reason you're going to manipulate it is to experiment on humans? Does that make you feel good that maybe one day they're going to drive up with a big van, haul you off as a live, breathing human, and decide that they're going to experiment on you? I mean, I don't know. All I'm saying is, it's a lie. Anyone out there that believes that the government would do this and science would do this to better humanity, to make discoveries with human life? Come on, guys. Put your critical thinking cap on. And I agree. I would even make the argument that most people aren't even going to believe this. Well, they can reject it if they choose to because that's their free will. But we've just had two reputable sources say that we have Congress people that had to cast a vote on something and you're going to tell me that they're going to hold a vote and have it registered and documented and put into the Capitol building in the archives and now all of a sudden that doesn't exist even though they were called together in assembly to vote on it? Well, yes. However, what we need to keep in perspective is that this isn't anything new. When you start to research things like Operation Paperclip and Plum Island and all the atrocities that happened off the coast of New York, you know, Joseph Goebbels, Dr. Von Braun, during the Nazis' reign, the SS, there were things like this prototypically and much more crudely that they were doing. The idea of creating Chimera, this monster, it's something, once again, you're talking about taking humans, which God himself, as we discussed, formed Adam out of the dirt of the ground, breathed his divine breath into him, and then from that point took one of his ribs to create woman, man and woman. To me, it's one of these things where it's like, on a Luciferian demonic level, it's like, I'm going to alter and disrespect you even more with what you created in your image and likeness and manipulate and molest that. It directly goes back to where we started, which is that in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the end times. The return of the Son of Man. That is correct. And it goes back to the idea that every intent of the thoughts and the heart of man were evil. Meaning that before an act even took place, just the conception, just the beginning of that act was birthed in a thought that was evil. And that's what I get the feeling this is. I don't understand it. I don't comprehend it. I don't get it. I don't really know that much about it. It's over my head and below my knees. But the one thing that I feel about this whole thing that we're reading about, that we're learning about is that the intent was evil. The thought of the intent, the origin of these acts, the beginning conceptual birth of this procedure is as the days of Noah. It was evil. Yes. Let me share a quote with you from a gentleman named H.G. Wells, who I'm sure you've heard of before. He had wrote a book, it's called The Island of Dr. Moreau, which they made a really bad movie about in the 90s with Marlon Brando and Val Kilmer. Anyway, an animal may be ferocious and cunning enough, but it takes a real man to tell a lie. Wow. And I don't know if for time's sake, we're just going to do a quick glance 
advance a quick overview of this, but we're going to be talking about the vaccines again. There's even documentation that I have I can share with you from cdc.gov where it talks about these are mRNA vaccines. That means messenger RNA. We're talking about nanotechnology, okay? Let me share a definition with you. A human genome is a complete set of nucleic acid sequences for humans encoded as DNA within the 23 chromosomal parts in cell nuclei and in a nine DNA molecule found within individual mitochondria. That is the basic building blocks of humans. Would you or would you not agree with them? From what that describes to the best of my limited understanding, okay, because this is not my area of expertise and I admit that. Nor it is mine. But okay. Yes, that is what okay. I have come to believe. So what happens with this mRNA, these vaccines, and this is even proposing a larger philosophical question other than the blatant just disregarding vileness that we just read about Congress. These messenger RNA, apparently what they do is they attach to the protein of the 23-strand double helix, and it begins to change it. This is information that says mRNA, messenger RNA, is a single-strand RNA molecule that is comprehensively one of the DNA strands of a gene. A RNA molecule that is complementary to one of the DNA strands of a gene. The mRNA is an RNA version of the gene that leaves the cell nucleus and moves to the cytoplasm where proteins are made. During protein synthesis, organelle called ribosome moves along the mRNA, reads the base sequence, and uses the genetic code to translate each three base triplet or condon into its corresponding amino acid. I'm getting flashbacks in college right now. Um, messenger RNA is also known as mRNA or one of the types of RNA that are found in the cell. This particular one, like most RNAs, are made in the nucleus and then exported to the cytoplasm where the translation machinery, the machinery then actually makes proteins, binds to the mRNA molecules and reads the code on the mRNA to make a specific protein. So in general, one gene, the DNA for one gene can be transcribed into mRNA molecule that will end up making one specific protein. What I'm understanding here is this manufactured mRNA, messenger RNA, is being transcribed and married, if you will, to the DNA, the basic building block of humanity, of human life, to alter it to manipulate it to create certain proteins or to create whatever byproduct. Now, the ethical question for me is, that seems from my understanding to be altering that 23 double helix DNA strand. The ethical question is, if by definition, humanity or humans created by the Almighty, the building block of that is that 23 double helix strand, that code, that genetic code, is altered in any way, what is that afterwards? What is the result of that afterwards? If the basic building blocks of what God created humans to be is altered, does that then by definition become a chimera? And this is where we're inviting the audience to educate us because I'm just reading this on face value. I don't understand the intricacies and my understanding, my thinking at this moment is yes. One of the things that Carl and I talked about, if you take a step back, and I want you to think throughout history, world history, ancient history, modern history, the last 200 years, the last 240 some years of the birth of this nation, has there ever been a time when the world has been as unified under anything as the world seems to be unified on making every living person, the almost 8 billion people on this planet, take these? Has there ever been anything? 
thing that has been now I when I say unifying I mean predominantly there are people who will not take this who will resist it who will not comply but universally speaking the majority of people certainly most of the world leaders are on board and even punishing those who are resisting a has there ever been anything like that in human history and b why yeah my same thought process from a different angle is this I don't know or understand any more the ingredients in this vaccine after you read it than I did before you read it. (laughs) I can admit that. But the other thing that people that are taking the vaccine and putting their faith in it is that whoever jabbed you, whatever nurse, whatever caregiver, Walgreens helper, right, whatever Walgreens employee, whatever doctor, they have no more knowledge about what they shot in you than I do after Bill just read the description of what that vaccine does. Now, you can choose to not believe what I just said, and it won't change my life a bit. In other words, I won't lose sleep tonight. I'm not going to wake up any earlier tomorrow upset to my stomach when I find out that someone sent you a message saying, I think that Carl lost his mind, and I don't believe what he is saying. If you they, mean outside of the ones I usually get? The new ones, oh, yes, okay, that yes, we're okay. going to attract. <laughs> you know, Because what is it that we were taught? It doesn't matter if somebody listens to you because they love you or because they hate you. It just matters they listen to you. So I'm okay with that. Boom. Like, I got no problem with that. But one more time, I make an appeal to those that have put your faith in this vaccine. The person that is in the position of authority to issue this vaccine to you, they gave it to you. They have no more of a clue of what they just put in you than I have after sitting here, listening to Bill read the description of the vaccine. They have no clue. Their blind faith, blind understanding, listening to what little bit of information they've been giving, putting their trust in that authority. And so we're taking that and that vaccine has somehow been accepted in communist countries, in socialist countries, in capitalist countries. It has been accepted universally in all nations like no other cause, no other topic, no other movement, no other event. This vaccine has unified, has brought together every nation, every tongue known to man, every place somehow found a way to get on board with this vaccine. To me, I don't know what that means, but I know it means something, and I don't feel good about it. I don't feel comfortable about it because you would expect at least one country, even if it's one of the little ones, even if it's a small one, to say, nah, sorry, I'm not buying it. But they don't. I'm going to take a little bit of creative license and I'm going to present a scenario, okay? And when I'm out of line or if I say something that's whack, speak up. Okay. So just as you laid out that scenario, which is happening, admittedly, there are a few countries that are, eh, nah, we're good, but they're not first world countries. Their acceptance or non-acceptance doesn't really mean anything on the world stage. They're going to get it. The WHO, the UN, they're going to make sure they get it. So let's just focus on what we do know, which is what primarily what you just said. Let's go back to the idea that, once again, Matthew 24, verse 37, as it was in the days of Noah, so will be in returning on the Son of Man. So that's a worldwide thing, because he's not just going to come for the quote-unquote American church to be raptured up, hallelujah, amen, Jesus, let's go beam me up, Scotty. He's coming for the world, for his remnant, for those that have stayed the course, which I pray to God that I'm one of them. larger point being is this, when we understand how the Antichrist, because we've been trying to lay this out, is going to come into power, it's going to be an absolute unification 
portion of the world, which we are now seeing under this quote-unquote vaccine mandate or this vaccine passport or whatever it is, which we've already discussed, is the precursor, the forerunner for that Mark of the Beast system. The Fugazi. Exactly. And even as you're t- we're talking about this, there's now talk about a one-world unifying digital currency, a one-world unifying body of governance to mandate and dictate the quote-unquote rules. And even like religious leaders like the new Pope talking about the convergence of all religions and, and all systems of belief. And when you talk about the Mark of the Beast, you're talking about a medical procedure. So once again, unification in the world through these religious, monetary, governmental, and medical procedures, medical entities. This unification that we only ever read or see of talking about the ascension of the Antichrist onto the world scene. Is it or is it not even a small realm of possibility that we have now been funneled into this place and time where the stage is being set, we pass the Rubicon, it's too late, baby, yeah, it's too late, that we are now here, that through the ruse of a created disease, that 99.8% of people untreated live under this fear, under this ruse, the whole world has become captive and has put their hand into this. Could it possibly be that this is setting the stage for something? Well, yes. Simple answer, yes. Reason why? I think that while Christians and non-Christians, liberals and conservatives, blacks and whites, yellows, reds, all genders are fighting over the vaccine. And while they're fighting about what's in the vaccine and if the vaccine works and if the COVID is as severe and all of these issues While they're fighting the sleight of hand, the real trick is that the whole time the fighting has been taking place over that issue, behind your back, a system has been laid where somehow now the whole world has implemented one thing. The whole world has come together for one thing. The whole world is unified for one thing. And, you know, like I said, never before have you had communist countries, socialists, capitalists, all of the above agree on a system. Capitalists fight against communism. Communism fights against socialism because socialism doesn't go far enough. It's not intrusive enough. So they're fighting against every idea and every system, but all of a sudden, the foundation has been laid where the walls have been knocked down of resistance. And this event has brought unification, seemingly overnight, but very swiftly, to the entire world. To me, I find that alarming. I I do not want to be on the same page with communist China. I do not want to be on the same page with Russia. I'm sorry. I don't even believe that the medical information is legitimate or real. I don't believe that it is being used to help humanity because their existence is for the destruction of humanity, for the empowerment of governmental and political and military authority, not us peasants. Not us serfs, us proles. Well, this has been a deep dive. This has been a deep think. And I believe that we've laid out, I think, a rather compelling argument, for, if nothing else, to at least look at the evidence, do your own thinking, do your own research, and then come up with your own conclusion. But I think for me, and if I can speak for Carl, I think it's pretty evident where we're going and what's being presented and what's being manipulated. I, I don't know. That's it. You know, I'd like to, we're getting ready to, 
close this thing down, I'm assuming. Yep. Uh, I almost feel compelled to make a plea to the people that listen to this podcast. That is, if you have another angle or reason, or you have some kind of deeper insight or knowledge or understanding, a thought, anything that you have to offer the questions... Because I really believe that this podcast may have raised more questions than given answers. And I'm okay with that. I told you last week in the podcast, God does not mind if you ask him why. He really doesn't. He he loves those questions. It's political authority and governmental authority and religious authority that do not want you to say why. When you say why, there's a pushback on authority. But I just want to know. So if they would get in contact with you and if you're listening and you want to comment, but I would be willing to offer that if somebody can send something that is intriguing to us, I would be willing to dedicate and commit study time, show preparation, potential podcast to cover what it is that they're willing to send you if you and I are on board with that. I'm on board. The only thing I would say is when you reach out, send some sort of verifiable link or send something that we can trace back your source. Yeah, I agree. We are doing a better job of asking questions than we are at answering these questions. And I think that's fine. I want to provoke people to thought. I want to provoke people to inquiring of the Almighty for his response that they would speak to their heart. I agree with Carl. If we get responses, and we may even dedicate a whole show to this, I agree. We'll do that. We'll give credit to, you know, Joe Blow or Sally Sue or, you know, thanks to Sally Sue sent this this amazing information and responded to the podcast we did. I mean, I'm not about accolades. I just want answers, and you can't have answers without asking questions questions. There you go. All right. That was a great thing. So listen, do the research. I'm going to put some links in the description below. Read what you like. Think we're crazy. If there's something there, God's speaking something to you. Either way, awesome. But the one thing you definitely want to do is share this. Uh, We're anywhere you can listen to podcasts. Make sure you subscribe. Leave us some positive feedback. Anywhere you can listen to podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Breaker, Flawedcast, Flawedcast CLE. Uh, We're on Rumble. We're on YouTube, Flawed Inc. Um, We may never be on YouTube again. We may not. We're on the Project Mockingbird social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Parlor, Gab. Me, we link for my book is below. Hit me up if you want to get a signed copy. If you want to email us directly, flaudingcle at gmail.com. With that being said, be safe out there.